Empty your mind of all thought. Let your heart be at peace. Watch the turmoil of beings, but contemplate their return. Each separate being in the universe returns to the common source. Returning to the source is serenity. If you don't realize the source, you stumble in confusion and sorrow. When you realize where you come from, you naturally become tolerant, disinterested, and amused. Kind-hearted as a grandmother, dignified as a king. Immersed in the wonder of the Tao, you can deal with whatever life brings you. And when death comes, you are ready. Thank you, Michael. Well, this is the third of our series on the tyranny of the mind. And we're looking today at the mind of Christ. It may seem a bit perverse to uh, talk about the mind of Christ and having a reading from the Tao Te Ching. But I think, you know, it perfectly describes what we're talking about. Now, I just want to recap. When thinking of the tyranny of the mind, which is what we've been doing over the past few weeks, we're talking about our rational minds. That's what we're, what we're referring to. We're talking about the rational mind. And I suggested in the first week, in the first week, I suggested that although the mind, the rational mind, has brought us many benefits and to a large extent enabled us to create civilization, it's also created, I think, a huge part of the world's problems over the last 10,000 years. Crime, wars, oppression, all forms of hatred and mendacious behavior, ethnic cleansing, murder, rape, injustice, poverty, as well as civilization, they are all creations of the mind. They are all the mind working itself out. And so, as we look out and try, which I hope we are doing, try to create some sort of world peace and to eradicate poverty and to reduce violence, which is, you know, what our, our role in life is to do, to try and have those things come about. The only way we can do that, I've been suggesting, is to deal with the tyranny of the mind. That it's, it's in here and the workings in here, that's where the problems are going to be solved. And as I mentioned, I'm not, I'm not just talking about therapy here. That's just making the mind make smarter choices. And we've been doing that over centuries. But I, I'm suggesting that for civilization to continue to develop, it'll have to do so beyond the machinations of the rational mind. There has to be a move beyond that. We have to go beyond to a new sort of consciousness. And last week I suggested that to have that consciousness develop, we have to be able to train our rational minds. We have to have them to some extent under control, to be able to stop the continual to and fro of thoughts dominating our consciousness, which, you know, they do. 
just like it says in that reading, empty your mind of all thoughts and let your heart be at peace. And through meditation or some other process, whether we walk in the mountains or whatever it is, whatever it is that enables you to stop your mind, we have to arrive at that point of peace to operate out of that. And I suggest that, that arriving at that point of peace enabled two things. First, it, it meant that we were able to practice control of our minds, to be able to discipline our minds. Being not at the effect of the way that our minds jump to conclusions and force us to jump to actions. You know, to, to have that pause where we can actually take stock. You know, we're disciplining our minds, having it be aware of our thought. It throws us into being in the present. Discipline's an interesting word. It comes from the Latin word disciplina, which means instruction or knowledge. It is about instruction and knowledge. And as I said, that second benefit of training your mind to be still is to enable it to enter into something deeper, to enter into the universal mind. Now, I, I said in the first week that, that mind, when you look at the definition of it, is a function of memory. It's a function of memory. And our, our minds, our rational minds, have built up a knowledge based upon the memory of our experiences and also the experiences of all those who've been before us. And, you know, the cellular memory and racial memory, all that memory is in there and it, it, it enables us. That's how our mind works. But I'm suggesting that beyond that, there is a universal mind. A mind that's been in existence since the Big Bang over 13.7 billion years ago. A product, that, that universal mind is a product, I'm suggesting, of the consciousness that produced the Big Bang. Now, what that consciousness was, whether you call it God or whatever it was, there was a fundamental consciousness, you know, I'm suggesting that was behind the Big Bang. And that consciousness in creating the Big Bang had a latent consciousness in all the rocks and plants and animals and everything else. There was a latent consciousness that led to us being here. And if you say, well, how do you know that? Well, we're here. There must have been a latent consciousness because it's developed into who we are now. So it must have been, you know, there's a latentness about it that has developed into us. We have that consciousness within us. And through the discipline of holding our rational minds at bay, I'm suggesting that we can let that deep mind come through. It has more of the original German root meaning of the word mind within it. The German meaning, the word min, means loving memory. So the mind is about, is about memory, but the German interpretation is about loving memory. And that loving memory that has been driving the evolution of all things through the evolution of the way that consciousness has been manifesting. So I'm suggesting that there is that drivingness that, that we are the flower of all that. That in spite of all the ups and downs, there is a, a lovingness that is driving all things. I would believe that, wouldn't I? It's my job to believe that. But, you know, there is a basic fundamental order. It is a deep awareness that we have access to. 
when people have one of those peak experiences or, or claim to have an experience of enlightenment, I think what they're really experiencing is that deep mind. That they're, they're somehow able to access that deep fundamental mind and consciousness that it's the root of all things. In our, in our Christian conscious culture, in our Christian culture, that is what we refer to as the mind of Christ. We refer to that as the mind of Christ. I mentioned last week that it says in Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what's meant by that is allowing ourselves to be transformed by the mind of Christ or into the mind of Christ or that universal mind into that experience of that consciousness, that fundamental consciousness that has always existed. You know, because the whole nature of Christ, Christ, you know, isn't just Jesus' surname. It literally means, the word Christ means, it means the anointed one. It means one who is covered with oil. Or in this case, the, the idea of the Christ nature is one who is covered with the wisdom of God or the deep mind. You know, there's that passage in Luke which says, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child, that's Jesus, grew and became strong. And he was filled with wisdom. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. That universal mind was open to him. And you can see, you know, it's, it's, if you go through, you can see references to this. There's another one in Colossians, very famous one talking about that, that Christ nature, that universal mind. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That is wisdom. That universal mind is the firstborn of all creation. That consciousness that was in everything is the firstborn of all creation. For by that universal mind, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. In talking about the Christ nature, the mind of Christ, we're talking about this universal mind, the universal conscious. That is the Christ nature, the Christ mind that has been there since the beginning of time. And, you know, it's referenced right. Meister Eckhart famously said, what good is it, is it to me if the Son of God was born of Mary 1,400 years ago, but is not born in my person, in my culture, and in my time? What good is it if, if Christ came in Jesus, 1400, he was, he was in the 13th, 14th century, that's why he says 14th. What good is it if it's 1400 years ago? If he's not born, that Christ nature is not born in my person, in my culture, and in my time. So there's the idea that we bear that Christ nature. Evelyn Underhill says the incarnation, which is, which is the spirit coming into the flesh, carne, flesh, the incarnation, which is for popular Christianity synonymous with the historical birth and early life of Christ, is for the mystic not only this, but also a perpetual cosmic and personal experience. It is an everlasting bringing forth in the universe and also in the individual ascending soul of the divine and perfect life, the pure character of God. It is the bringing forth of that universal mind, that mind of Christ, in all of us, which is much bigger than the ego mind. The memory is much deeper. It has much more to access than just, you know, the thousand years that our minds have been trying to work out what's going on. 
And that, of course, you know, that takes us directly back to that reading from the Tao Te Ching. You know, this describes that universal mind. You know, empty your minds of all thoughts. Let your heart be at peace. Watch the turmoil of beings. You can just watch the news, and there is the turmoil of beings. But contemplate their return, the return of all beings to that universal mind. Each separate being in the universe returns to the common source, the universal mind. Returning to the source is serenity. If you don't realize the source, that Christ mind, if you don't realize the source, you stumble in confusion and sorrow. When you realize where you come from, that universal mind, you naturally become tolerant, disinterested, amused, kind-hearted as a grandmother, dignified as a king, immersed of the wonder of the Tao. You can deal with whatever life brings you. And when death comes, you are ready. That is the mind of Christ. And why is it in the Tao Te Ching? Because we're all talking about the same thing. You know, I always think, you know, religion is the cultural interpretation of an individual experience. Now, if it's not real, then, you know, no amounting, no amount of believing in it is going to make it real. You know, that, that wonderful quote from Philip K. Dick that says, reality is that which continues to exist after you've stopped believing in it. I mean, you know, there's no point in us believing in it. If it's real, it's up there, it's in there, it is a part of it. So if you're in Australia or Africa or here, you've still got access to it. When you, if you call it the universal mind or the Tao or the mind of Christ, it is the same thing. And thank goodness it is, because it means we're all talking about the same thing. I, don't know, I know a lot of you get Richard Raw's meditations, and I was interested that, that in his meditations on Monday of last week, he talks about the mind of Christ. He says... In contemplative practice, in meditation, we refuse to identify with any one side. We hold the tension of seeming conflicts and paradoxes, going beyond words to pure, open-minded experience, which has the potential to unify contradictions. This is a creative tension because when held with loving intention, something utterly new and creative emerges. It emerges out of that. Authentic and full knowing is subject to subject through a process of mirroring, this process of mirroring, of seeing, and of being seen, of observing reality as it is. This is the mind of Christ. There are no others. That idea, when the guru was asked, how do you look after others? There are no others. There's mirroring, seeing and being seen. It is really a different way of knowing. And you can recognize it by its gratuity, its open-endedness, its compassion, and by the way it is so creative in energizing in those who allow it. Truly great thinkers and creatives take for granted that they have access to a different and larger mind. Richard Ross says, truly great creatives just realize they have access to a larger mind. They recognize that the divine flow is already happening and that everyone can plug into it. In all cases, it is a participative kind of knowing, a being known through and not 
an autonomous known. This is how we can become co-creators with our loving creator. It is his description of participating in the mind of Christ. And, you know, the idea is that he exists in all cultures, in all situations, in all, all places. You know, Aldous Huxley, in his book, The Perennial Philosophy, says that a version of this understanding, the universal mind, a version of this understanding was first committed to writing more than 25 centuries ago. And since then, a version of it has appeared in every religious tradition in all the principal languages of Europe and Asia. It is there, the universal mind, the Tao, the mind of Christ. It is embedded in all cultures. And we have access to it when we, when we in turn control our rational minds. It is a fundamentally loving mind that seeks, it is a mind that seeks wholeness in all things. It is really our original consciousness, our greater self or God calling us to recognize it in our lives. And this process has been going on from time immemorial to the present day. And it is the very purpose of creation for us to recognize that universal mind in ourselves and in each other. That is the process of evolution. And so we all have the possibility of touching that universal mind. And you know, you can see it everywhere. You can see it in science and in literature and art and spirituality. That's where it comes out. If you look at your service sheet, I, I put that, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa on the service sheet because in that picture, he is said to have captured her soul on the canvas. That's why, you know, it's amazing. Somehow he got out of the way so much that enabled him to capture that soul on the canvas. And we recognize him as having done something like that. And in music, you know, there's a piece by Bach, and Susan was telling me about this, that is, is said to be the very perfection of composition. Is that right, Susan? Yeah. And, and, and what, did, what did Bach used to, what did he used to write above all his? So he had a sense of that. Do you want to play a little bit of that? This is, this is supposed to be, this is the music of the gods. I mean, the rational mind would never come up with that. You know, there is something of, they call it the music of the spheres. You know, Mozart was supposed to have written the music, you know, God's music as well. And you could, you could hear it. It's something that's beyond the rational mind. And you can see, you know, in, in Michelangelo's, you know, David, it's there. You can see the just fantastic sense of perception. You can see it in passages of scripture, you can see it in the Tao Te Ching, in the Upanishads, in the Quran, in the Dhammapada. You know, it comes to us in many ways. And, you know, we all have experiences of it. You know, in the mountains, in our lives, you know, when we touch the universal mind, we, we, come, we have it coming through ourselves. And, you know, to some extent, you know, when I write these things, you know, I practice just stilling my mind in meditation, and then when I come to it, I sort of build myself up and then 
boom, <laughs> you know, I don't know where it comes from, but it, all of us have that, you know, whether it's in our music, our work, in our relationship, something just magical happens, and it's then that we're touching, it's the essence of, of wisdom and beauty, you know, wisdom, that, wisdom's in there, and it's an interesting word, it comes, the, the, the original word wisdom is old English, it comes from the word W-I-T, wit, or gwit, and that actually, that the word means, it denotes the seat of consciousness. That's what gwit means. It is the seat of consciousness. And that, there's a lovely definition of wisdom, which is knowledge informed by love. And isn't that amazing? Knowledge informed by love. And when that universal mind comes through, it enables us to become something that we could not, on our own, imagine ourselves to be. We couldn't imagine it because... It is beyond the imagination of our rational minds. So in allowing the mind of Christ to come through, that universal mind, we allow ourselves to be taken over. We become those living sacrifices, sacrificio, to make holy. We become that. We become that holiness. The mind makes that, that universal mind allows us to become holy and allows us to become part of its own purposes. We become part of that mind of Christ. This is the transformation of consciousness that we're seeking to bring about, to become that mind of Christ. You know, that quote again from Rowan Williams that I used last week, that's really worth listening to, the Rowan Williams previous Archbishop of Canterbury. He says, to put it boldly, meditation and walking in the mountains, all the various things you do to do this, is the only ultimate answer to the unreal and insane world that our financial systems and our advertising culture and our chaotic and unexamined emotions encourage us to inhabit, he said. To learn meditation is to learn what we need so as to live truthfully and honestly and lovingly. It is a deeply revolutionary matter. And whether it's walking in the mountains or sitting or on the cushion, whatever it is, it is by allowing that mind of Christ to come through that universal mind that we allow ourselves to become a part of that revolution that has always been coming into being. It is the oldest revolution, and yet it is the most modern and recent. As B. Griffith says, he says, the goal of each religion is the same. It is the absolute transcendent state, the one reality, the eternal truth which cannot be expressed, cannot be conceived. This is the goal, not only of all religion, but of all human existence. That, that is the goal of all human existence. And he is talking here about becoming that universal mind. And that is what it means to be a child of God. And you know, that changes everything. Because we're not conforming to the patterns of the world. We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we are being transformed as we're being transformed, so is everything around us. We've become part of a pattern of transformation that is driving the process of evolution. We become, when you do that, you become part of a pattern of, that is driving the process of evolution. And it is this that will solve the problems that we face in the world. This is the new consciousness that will enable us to address the problems created by the rational mind by the consciousness of the rational mind. And it's not separate from the rational mind because it is a development. The rational mind, if you control it, allows it to be. It's brought about by its realization that there is an imperative for it to gain a greater wisdom. Once the rational mind realizes that it needs to gain a greater wisdom, 
than it's capable by gaining of its own efforts, then it will give up. And we have to get to that point where we're willing to give up and to know that there's something more. And it is this admission that it is dependent. It is not autonomous. It is dependent. It's, admission. it's not an island, that our minds are not islands of understanding, but connected to a universal whole. And so this links us to our part within that whole. We are dependent and we are a contributor at the same time because we are all interconnected by that consciousness. And it is that interconnectedness of all things that gives us the ability to access wisdom far greater than we could on our own. And that's why we meditate or go up the mountains and train our rational minds, disciplining them so that we have access to a greater knowledge. And together we then become one whole. The Christian terminology for that one whole is the body of Christ. That, that's what the terminology is. And the next time I'm with you, I'm going to be talking about the body of Christ just as a completion of this series of the Terry of the Mind. Thank you. Let's pray. So we do open our hearts and open our minds to that universal mind, that gwit, that wisdom informed by love. And we pray that we may be able to do that, be a part of that. And we especially pray for our leaders in the world today, that they may be open to that love coming through. Pray for leaders everywhere, particularly thinking of the summit in Singapore this week. We pray for that, that love may come through in that. A greater understanding may appear. We pray for all those in positions of authority and power around the world. That this universal mind may be able to transcend the rational minds that exist. There may be a humility to open to that. And we pray for all those who are suffering at the moment in difficult circumstances. We pray for all those suffering as a result of volcano, earthquake, natural disasters around the world. Pray for those in prisons, in unjust situations, in, in war zones, the effect, of, the effect of the rational mind imposing its will. Pray for those who are hungry. Pray for those who are homeless. Pray for our valley. All those coming for the summer, for the food and wine, for People on the mountains, pray for safety on the trails. Pray for all those working, hospitality that exists here. And we especially pray for all those who are special to us on our prayer list, particularly thinking of Patricia Hill, of Will Welsh, of Barbara Orchid, of Bill Archer, of Father Joseph Boyle, of Shelley's stepdad, Vern, who had a stroke in Rome yesterday. Pray for Ed Bastian, who's recovering in hospital from pneumonia. And also the family of Sandy St. John, who passed last week. But we ask your healing power to go to all these people. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>